Hello, all you beautiful people and you fucking nerds. This is the Rated Par Podcast, back again with another week of movie news for you. And I am so sorry I missed last week, guys. I tried to upload. I had a 39-minute episode ready to go, but for some reason it wouldn't upload. The Anchor app was just not having it, so I do apologize. But I am back, and... Yeah, man, trying to keep on the schedule. It is hard. Life gets in the way, but I got to share with you what I have learned about the movie landscape this week because a lot of shit went down. So here we go. The first bit of news we have is from John Favreau and his supposed live action Star Wars TV series now revealed to be called The Mandalorian. So this is going to be on the Disney streaming app. Um, no information has been released about his supposed show that he's doing. We know that's got a huge budget behind it. They're throwing all the money at this. And he released the premise for the show through his Instagram. And all it is is just a picture in that classic Star Wars yellow font. And it says, The Mandalorian. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. So, short and sweet, we know that it's a Mandalorian. <laughs> we know that it's not Boba or Jango Fett, but possibly someone inspired by their actions. We know that this is taking place after the original trilogy, but before the new one, in that in-between Rebels space, possibly. Um, so, I'm stoked. This is awesome. I mean, who the fuck doesn't want to see more Mandalorians in their Star Wars, right? I mean, they tried... Well, they were going to do a Boba Fett spinoff film when Solo was getting prepared to be released. Then Solo was released, and you all know what happened with that. So... Uh, all the spinoffs, by the way, have officially been stopped. They are not doing any Boba Fett movies. They're not doing any Obi-Wan movies, which is a real shame. That one movie had to ruin that whole momentum. I just feel that just doing that, it wasn't that people didn't want to see solo films. It was that people didn't want to see the solo film, if you know what I'm saying. But yeah, just a quick little bit of news on that. I think it's really cool. I'm very stoked to see this. And it'd be kind of fun to see a new character introduced to Star Wars. And I think that's why people responded to Rogue One so well, is because they want to see new things. They don't want to just see old things recycled all the time. So I'm stoked for this. In Disney news, we apparently are getting yet another live-action adaptation of a Disney classic animated movie. And this time... We are getting it in the form of Lilo and Stitch, the 2002, I would say, cult hit, because Lilo and Stitch is one of those Disney films that everyone remembers. Not many people talk about it. It's one of my favorite Disney films. I really like that it's kind of that under the radar, you know, you kind of have to remember it. It's like that amazing song that you listen to in high school all the time that not a lot of people knew. It's very important to you and not very important to a lot of other people, but it is also getting the live action treatment. And this is going to be uh, written by Mike Van Ways, who's going to pin the script. 
and will be produced by Dan Lin and Jonathan Elrich, who are also working on director Guy Ritchie's live-action remake of Aladdin. So this, people are assuming it's going to be live-action mixed with um, a CG hybrid, kind of like Beauty and the Beast, sort of. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I think it'd be really cool. It'd be kind of funny if any circus played Lilo. <laughs> or is it Stitch? Which one's the alien? I can't remember. Um, but this is joining... A lot fucking, it's starting to get a starting to become a long list of live action movies over at Disney because right now, in production and being released soon, is Dumbo, The Lion King, Aladdin, The Sword in the Stone, The Little Mermaid, and Lady and the Tramp. So that's six live action adaptations that are currently in production or being released within the next year. So, I mean. I'm super, I love this news. I mean, they've been doing so well with their live action movies. They haven't had a dud yet. And when it works, it works. So obviously The Lion King is a huge, very anticipated film that I think a lot of people are waiting for. Aladdin to me, a Guy Ritchie Aladdin. I don't know if we really need that. I mean, for those of you who have followed me on different social medias at Rated Par Media, you know that I am not a fan of Guy Ritchie. Not his older stuff, I love. His newer stuff is debatable. That King Arthur movie, uh, some some nerds were just like, had fun with it. I thought it was the worst piece of shit ever. I actually walked out of the theater watching that. So to hear that he was taking on Aladdin as his next project did not fill me with a lot of confidence, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully, maybe he took a new stride and took that movie and learned <laughs> righted some wrongs and wants to put things on the right path so i'm stoked for this and i can't wait to see more live action disney in the future oh and mulan that wasn't on the list mulan casting right now coming out soon as well so if you were like me growing up in the early 90s you know just starting to learn about fantasy novels what kind of stories were being told out there a lot of people, some people got Lord of the Rings first. Some, some, for some people, Lord of the Rings was the first book that was read to them as a kid or in school, like in second, third grade, for story time or for creative writing. For me, it was the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis. I had that series read to me, I think, in second or third grade. Um, and that, to me, was my first sort of first step into fantasy world, fantasy reading, and the movies that we've gotten have been okay. The first one was pretty good. Then they kind of slowly, slowly fell off in quality and, and how good they were. So this news that I'm about to tell you excited me, learning that Netflix is apparently acquiring the entire C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia library. And they're not only going to be making films, but TV shows as well. They are going full headfirst into this, and they released this enormous press release on the Chronicles of Narnia Facebook fan page, and it's pretty long, so I won't, you know, read it verbatim, but basically, it just goes to say that they love C.S. Lewis, they love the Chronicles of Narnia stories, that's reached, you know, millions of people every year. And that they just basically want to give it the treatment that they feel it deserves. And not only with just films, but they want to make TV shows as well. And, you know, I myself haven't read every single Narnia book. I just remember the first three. 
So I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm not the best source for this, but I'm not really sure if there's enough content for TV and film. If there is, I please ignore my ignorance. But, you know, there's some fantasy stories that if you stretch it out way too much, it feels like it's reaching a lot of the time. Great example are the Hobbit movies. They did not need to be three movies. I don't know if you guys believe me or, or are with me on that one, but my belief with the Hobbit films is that they split it up to three films and they just stretched it out way too long when it just needed to be two. So for me as a, as a Chronicles of Narnia fan, this is awesome news and Netflix obviously continuing to cement itself as one of the top platforms for content in the world. And we already know from past articles and news that they're gonna they're going they're gunning for more big budget fare. They want to get away from the indie films, from the big budget TV shows, and they want blockbuster worldwide appeal content so that they will be the top dog, the number one show to go to in the world. And they've been experimenting with this over the last couple of years with big budget movies. I mean Bright for all its ups and downs, got them a ton of viewership, a lot of revenue, and it was a big budget action film with two Hollywood giant stars. So they're just going to continue this path and become, maybe in 10 years, just like the number one platform to release your film. I mean, myself, there's not, nothing's ever going to take away a movie screen. But I think on my last podcast episode, or maybe the one before, where me and Jordy Rose were kind of debating films and uh, and movie news that we talked about what if there was Netflix movie theaters, right? Like, that's a possibility and might even be a logical next step. Like, you have Netflix at home, you have that content, you don't have to go to the theater if you don't want to, but if you do want to, there could be a Netflix theater near you where you can enjoy the feature films in that theater environment. Myself, I think it just makes sense that would totally cut the gap of people saying, well, I prefer the movie-going experience, so I don't want to watch movies on a small screen. And with the amount of viewers that Netflix have, I feel like they would kill it. I mean, can you imagine if there was a theater near you that aired Game of Thrones every Sunday? You know what I mean? Netflix has so many addictive, dramatic shows, action, drama, what have you, that Every so often, like when Daredevil first came out, let's say, it would have been so fucking amazing if a theater nearby every that was dropping episodes every Sunday. I mean, yeah, you should, you could binge it all the way through. But what if they just did, you know, two or three episodes at a time and dropped them in movie theaters? I would have loved that experience, and I think it's something that can be possible in the future. In trailer news, we got, in my opinion, one of the first big shots across the bow for the Oscar season in Adam McKay's Vice. Now, this is a biopic on probably the most hated vice president of all time, uh, Dick Cheney. And it's starring Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. And as per Christian Bale's style, he went full on with this character. He put on, I don't know, probably 150 pounds for this role, he wanted to embody the, the real body of Dick Cheney. For, and for those of you who may or may not know, Dick Cheney is not a good-looking dude. He's a big, fat, rotund guy, 
and Christian Bale went a hundred percent into it, putting on a lot of weight, doing the De Niro thing, and Sam Rockwell as George Bush, uh, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, very diverse cast, and Adam McKay. For those of you who don't know. He actually came from comedy. He's directed most of the big hits from Will Ferrell, uh, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, all those films. Came from Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell. And he got nominated, I believe, for his first Oscar for The Big Short, which came out a couple years ago. That was about the housing crisis in America, uh, the big economic downfall, and starred like Steve Carell, Brad Pitt, Christian Bale again. Uh, tons and tons of amazing actors in that movie. But this is his second directorial dramatic debut, and it looks amazing, guys. Like, the style that the trailer was cut has that kind of black humor tone to it in that you know this is going to be a serious film dealing with serious issues, but kind of looking at it at the lens of, like, isn't our world just fucking crazy and ridiculous? Um you gotta watch this trailer, guys. Christian Bale, you won't recognize him. Like, I, man, I don't know how this guy does it. I wish I could just have a small percentage of his willpower when it comes to his body, because one minute he's stick thin for machinist, three months later he's 250 pounds on muscle for Batman. And then he becomes normal weight again, and then he puts on 200 pounds of fat for Dick Cheney. That's fucking nuts to me. But the trailer is awesome. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube right now. Let me know what you think. And finally, to end today's show, guys, there are a few movies coming back into theaters for the Halloween season. And the two that I'm aware of that are going to be playing in most major cities are Beetlejuice and Hocus fucking Pocus. Um... Those two films are iconic. I love them so, so much. Beetlejuice, of course, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton. An iconic performance, an iconic character. I have not seen it in a while, so I'm actually really looking forward to watching it in the theater for the first time. And Hocus Pocus is just a fun, fun fucking family film about three witches that were, I think, back in Salem times, were like banished or put to sleep, and then they get woken up again. Anyway, it's a fucking fun time. For those of you out there who love those movies, you are in luck. They will be playing in a theater near you. I mean, the screenings are pretty sparse. If you're in a smaller town, you probably won't be able to see it, but check your local theater. See if it's playing near you, because you will not want to miss that during the Halloween season. And that is all for today. Bit of a shorter episode. Thought I would give you guys a break on more longer episodes. Um, Anyone who's listening to this, thank you so much. As always, I super appreciate it. And that is your movie news wrap-up for the week. Thank you so much. And as always, put down the remote and go watch a motherfucking movie.